Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. You've checked out, I think, the best resource for how to grow your business in an actionable, tangible way. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of those strategies today, especially in the conversation of sales. One of the biggest pain points that I hear from business owners is, how do I make more money? How do I find more customers? And how do I ultimately grow this business to something that if it's not already my full-time job, how do I make it my full-time job? What's going on in the sales game? How can I sell better? How can I do a better job here? We're going to be talking about all that and more including the number one reason that people don't buy from you all on today's episode. Before we dive in, though, we have a quick word from one of the businesses that sponsor the podcast, which we so appreciate. Before we check out that, don't forget you can get ad-free episodes on our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice. With that said, we'll be right back soon. We talk to all sorts of business owners on the podcast, and one of the most common trends is business owners who just, for whatever reason, didn't fit in the corporate environment. A lot of entrepreneurs are seeking something, they're seeking an answer, and they're trying to figure out the simple question of, how do I fit in the world? And more importantly, is there a way to make a living that doesn't involve the traditional nine to five job? One of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to entrepreneurs is, hey, you got to learn about who you are, what drives you, your motivation. That's why I want to tell you about this book, Your Turning Point, 33 Questions for Transformation. I love the impact I've been able to make through Good Advice and the Good Advice podcast, but that would not have been doable without taking an honest assessment of who I was today and who I wanted to be tomorrow. Go to the website, the33questions.com, and get yourself a copy of Your Turning Point by Stephen J. Blank, and let's continue on this road for transformation together. Again, the website is the33questions.com, where you can buy your book today. So we have a lot to talk about today, a lot of conversation to be had in the world of sales. Uh, I don't think I am particularly the most amazing salesperson out there, but there are things that have worked really well in my favor. Uh, there are things that have allowed me to continue to do what I do rather than working an eight to five or a nine to five job. And without being overly humble, I, I, I know there's some good value to be had on how do you sell better and how you do better. Now, before we dive into any of this, I will say if you enjoy the podcast, if you like the podcast, hey, I would so appreciate a Google review from you. You can check out the business Good Advice here in Northwest Arkansas. And uh, even if you aren't local, if you enjoy the podcast and listen to it long term, I would appreciate a review that talks about the podcast uh, so we can keep growing the podcast and sharing good advice. So having said that, for people who listen to the podcast or people that are customers of mine, it's not uncommon to get into these conversations on sales. Now, some of these conversations go the route of um, crafting a killer offer statement, uh, which is kind of a buzzy PR marketing term that I, I try not to get too in the weeds on. You know, I was I was following someone the other day on social media and they posted, well, how do you, how do you grow? I think for them, actually, they were saying, how did we grow our business from zero to a million dollars in revenue in only six months? And which by the way, is always a huge red flag to me. Anytime someone talks about going from literally zero to a million dollars in a very condensed timeline, I'm immediately suspicious and you should be as well. 
This isn't to say that there aren't instances where this can happen. It's not to say that people don't experience hyper growth in their business. They can. However, that is 99% not the story of most people. Most people tell the overnight success story of the 10-year game is what I have found to be true. So I was on social media. This person popped up. I was I was following their story a little bit. And they were doing a post on, uh, and naturally this is a sales post. I mean, you can know anytime you see this, this is typically someone who's looking for you to become a customer of theirs. So what uh, they posted about was they said, here's how we did it. Step one, we created an offer that people couldn't say no to, which I thought was kind of ironic and silly. I thought, well, yeah, of course, like it, it, it would kind of be like a business being like, how did we create repeat buyers for our business? Step one, we gave great customer service. It It's kind of implied, right? Like this, this stuff kind of happens on its own. So what typically happens with people that I work with, sometimes we do end up having conversations about how they position what they sell. Perfect example, one of my customers sells um, home cleaning services and her main offer or rather the way she described her offer was our employees are are bonded are basically saying like you can trust that you can trust our people you can trust our employees which is a great detail by the way it's an important detail however it's not the reason someone buys from you now if they're down to you in another business maybe that is why but it's not at their core why someone buys someone buys because why they want their home cleaned uh and so in a similar conversation I was talking about to a guy who was selling some internet services and he said well the way I'm thinking about positioning it is I want to explain that hey I have I have some people in the industry I have people who can give me kind of so to speak warehouse rates so I can have cheaper prices yada yada what do you think about this and I said you know I don't know about that from an offer standpoint and he's like okay why not I said the problem is the way you've positioned yourself from an offer standpoint is you're trying to be the lowest price for the people buying from you, which is very dangerous when we talk about a scalable brand, about a brand that can make you more money than whatever it is you're doing currently. So getting into the conversation of like, who's the cheapest, who's the cheapest offer, how can I save you as much money as possible, that that can be very much a dangerous game. Now, this isn't the case for all industries. I think for some industries, this is actually a very competitive compelling offer. I have a friend of mine who is a health insurance broker. Well, if he is to say, I can give you great coverage at a fraction of the price you're paying now, I'm interested. I'm paying attention. So it's not to say that that's bad in many different situations, but there are some that it can work. Getting to the point, it's not uncommon that I'm having these conversations with people on, you know, how do I sell better? How do I stand out? How do I, how do I really connect with my buyer? And I've noticed a trend with people where it, we were very evaluative when we're trying to figure out what went wrong in a certain conversation, what in this customer work out, what in this deal pan out. And, and what I have found is that, and this is myself included, by the way, I, I think I do this myself too. I think sometimes we are incredibly, I would even say maybe brutal to ourselves 
but we are incredibly hard on ourselves for not doing better in the sales world. This isn't to say that there's not a value to being a great salesperson. In fact, you you don't have to look far to listen to and hear from and talk to people who actually are legitimately great salespeople. I have a couple that I follow on LinkedIn where whenever they share wisdom, I'm like, ooh, wow, that's a really great piece of advice. So I, I think there's merit to being a better salesperson. However, I think that many of us think that to be great at sales, we have to be the wolf on Wall Street-esque kind of person where the person wasn't interested at all and we found a way to get them to buy and yada, yada. I I guess what I'm getting at is I'm not really into like the manipulation game of sales. Um, and that's that's part of my bias in that, you know, I I spent a lot of money early on on digital marketing and it really wasn't the right time for me to buy. And so it caused me to be a bit wary from buying from these services in the future, yada, yada, yada. Point being, it's really not about being the best at sales because we all have our giftings, we all have our skill sets. And if you are frankly terrible at sales, you can get better. However, if you are just not gifted at it, you probably are not going to become God's gift to the sales world. If you are terrible at sales today, you you, as much as you toil and work, you're probably not going to be fantastic at it. And that's not to say you can't get better. It's not to say you can't improve. You will. And in fact, with many of my customers, the conversation usually goes along the lines of, Hey, get into these conversations as much as possible. Get as many reps as you can to pitch your services and talk about what you do and promote yourself. Like these are really important steps to get better and train yourself. But again, if you're not phenomenal at it, you probably won't ever have a day where, again, you're God's gift to the sales world. So what we end up talking about then is simply being at least better than what the norm is, at least being better than what people typically expect, uh, which is most people are doing the cold pitch DM type style of selling where it's the kiss on the first date. Well, it's, it's frankly, it's the kiss in the first few minutes. Like imagine this going on a date with someone and I don't mean like the European thing, like where you meet somebody and they kiss you on the cheek. Um, I'm talking about where imagine going on a date, meeting someone. And as soon as you meet them, they go in for, a, you know, the old smackaroo, they go in for the kiss, they go in for a French kiss on the first instance of meeting that you would be freaked out. And yet this is how the sales world typically operates is people, they meet you for the first time. Hey, Blake, great to meet you. I'm Joe with blank. Hey, I want to tell you about this service that I think you'd be perfect for yada, yada. You know, can we schedule a time today to talk about it? Or, you know, here's the page to buy from. And yeah, it it's, it's people are very quick to sell and, and for them, I think it's a numbers game. It's like, if I message a thousand people, which by the way, a lot of this is automated, it's pretty much everything that I am against in business, by the way, but much of it is automated. They send out a thousand a day and they know that they're going to get three sales from that, which cover the costs of whatever it is they're doing uh, exponentially, usually actually. Uh, because in the, in that world, I just have to message enough people to finally find someone naive enough or desperate enough 
to pull together cash to buy whatever it is that I'm selling. So whenever we talk about why customers say no, why customers don't buy from you, I think if you're taking that route of sales, it's a no-brainer why someone doesn't buy from you. I think it's a no-brainer why someone turns down the kiss on the first date. They don't know you. They don't like you. They definitely don't trust you to do what it is you say you're going to do. So I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about being a sleazy salesperson that people instantly say no to. What I'm talking about is the people listening where you're trying to sell, you feel like you're doing it the right way, and yet you're not seeing the traction that you want. I think what happens many times, I think that many of us have room to grow in the sales conversation, myself included especially. I think 10 years from now, the version of me as a salesperson is going to be phenomenally better than the person I am today at the five-year mark. So let's just understand that that's a given, that we're all growing. I think sometimes we are far too hard on ourselves as a salesperson because we are beating ourselves up over someone who told us no, who was never going to be our customer anyway. So I had a guy one time who um, I pushed really hard to get this guy to buy from me. And it ended up not being a good contract. It was a bad contract. Um, we weren't aligned on exactly what our work together would look like. He was frustrated. I was frustrated. I think to this point, this is probably the hardest customer, like not hard in the sense of it wasn't like a bad customer in the sense of like a bad dude. But when I think back to like all the customers I have, this is probably the one I regret most. Well, after the contract ended, and actually it didn't even end. Um, we, we just went our separate ways halfway through. It was like, this isn't working for either of us. Let's, let's just call it what it is and move on. You know, let's, let's both appreciate that we're both individually good people and professionals, whatever, but for the sake of us collaborating, this doesn't make sense. So we went our separate ways. Well, I was talking to someone, um, who an old friend of mine and we're chatting it through and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of beating myself up about this because I, I have a high standard for my work. I want, I want everyone who works with me to rave about work with me, not in the sense of like my ego, but I want to feel like I legitimately did what I said I was going to do and that this person was positively impacted by our work together, not just positively impacted, but that, that they, they felt like, wow, I absolutely got what was promised me and more like this. It's just the standard for how I want to do my work. Like many of you who are listening, right? So I signed a friend of mine and I was like, okay, I'm really, I'm, I'm bummed out about this. I'm bummed out because this customer wasn't happy. Um, and it, it's, it's got me down. So we were chatting about it. And this person is just an amazing professional in, in, in her own right. So she was like, well, let's talk about like, what were some of the pain points with this customer? I was like, well, from the get go, I mean, they were kind of not suspicious, but they were like, I've never, I've never hired a consultant before. I've never had a coach. Um, you know, I don't want to get screwed over. I don't want to get cheated. Um, so she was like, okay, so from the get go, they were already suspicious of your services which didn't necessarily bother me. I mean, in some cases, people are spending quite a bit of money and I, I understand the apprehension that someone might have. So I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, well, what else happened? 
And I was like, well, this person, um, they basically live like on a plot of land that's off the grid. Uh, they don't have internet. They, um, I don't even remember if they have phone service. Um, they're pretty isolated. And she was like, okay, well, what's like the nature of your business? And I was like, well, I mean, when we work together, like we use a lot of different like digital tools, it's not uncommon to, you know, have like an Excel spreadsheet or like a Google sheet. And yeah. And I was kind of just like giving some information about how I operate with some of my customers. And she was like, well, Blake, don't you see the problem here? You have someone who doesn't utilize technology at all. Like they don't even have access to technology. And the way you do business is very digitally oriented. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, so don't you see the problem with that? And she helped me see that I had effectively put myself in an unwinnable situation. Now, it wasn't that I was desperate for the sale, which I think sometimes we are desperate for the sale and we take those customers that we really shouldn't be taking. It's because I didn't put in the work on the front end to make sure that this person was actually a good customer for me. So when we talk about why customers say no to us or why a sale doesn't pan out, very few times are you actually a bad salesperson. More often than not, it is someone who frankly should not have been your customer anyway, or if they told you, no, we're never going to be your customer. So understand this for a second. If I sell podcast advertising, which I do, and I try to sell this to someone who deeply hates podcasts, like they think podcasts are obnoxious, they think it's a fad. They think that podcasting is annoying. You know, who would do that? There's a more useful way, like read a book. I don't know. I'm making this up, right? Well, think about how silly it would be then for me to go to that person and say, hey, I really, I really want to talk to you about podcast advertising. There is no salesperson in the world who will, in keeping themselves whole, actually sell this person. Now, I say that intentionally. I mean, there may be someone out there who you know, is a great manipulator and they find a way to get the person to say yes. But, but long-term, this person isn't going to be a good customer. They, they hate podcasting. Why would I sell a podcast advertisement to someone who hates podcasting? But see, that is what we do every day with our businesses, where we find ourselves in conversations with people who simply, they are not our customer and they were never going to be our customer. There's a great insight here about understanding when you're in a sales conversation with someone, not only are you selling them on you, but you should subtly be causing them to sell themselves to you. Perfect example. I think I mentioned it on the show before, but I had someone call me. I mean, at this point, I guess it was about six or eight, six or eight weeks ago. This person called me and said, Hey, I need some, I need some coaching. I'm looking for a coach for my business, which is not an uncommon call that I'll get. And so, uh, you know, there's part of me that needs to communicate credibility, to build trust with this person, to give them an insight as to where we could take the conversation and like what I could do for their business, all of those things, the deliverables that come with that. But then there's this other part of the conversation where I'm trying to figure out, is this person actually a good, a good person for me to work with? And so I ask questions like, how many sales have you done 
um, how many sales have you done for your business? And she said 12 and she sold, I think journals or something. So I said, okay, you've sold 12 journals this month. And she's like, no, since the business started, I was like, okay, well, how long have you been in business? And she says five years. And I say, oh, wow. Okay. Um, now, I shifted the conversation to now I'm just giving as much advice as I can just to help. Like, this is the only time I'm going to talk on the phone with this person. So I shift the conversation away from let's talk ways we can collaborate to, hey, here's the things you need to be thinking about. If I were you, here's what I would be doing. And I knew she had a pretty big following on Instagram. So like she had the brand piece to it. So where my mind went to was, hey, there's some disconnect in your offer. The way that you're pitching and promoting this journal isn't resonating with your audience. And maybe you're not bringing it up like you should. Maybe you need to be talking about it more, but that's where you need to start. So I just, I tried to give as much free advice as possible. And the reason for this is because in that conversation, I realized this person, even though she's coming to me to hire me as a coach, this person is never going to be a good customer. And it's not because it's not, it's not anything that's a reflection on them. It's that if this person has made 12 sales for a journal in five years, let's call the journal a $15 journal. We're talking what, um, $180. She's made 180 bucks on her business. How much do you think now? And it's not even a question of, do they see my work as valuable? It's how much cash is this person willing to reinvest in their business? It's not a conversation on if someone's lucrative or not. It's not a conversation on anything like that. It's simply understanding that this person does not have the circumstances to fully appreciate what it is I offer. This is not a great customer for me. And so I immediately said, hey, let's talk about how, you know, what you can be doing today, but ultimately, you know, you don't need my services right now. Now. I think there's people out there who the way they approach sales is, well, they came to you, like you should sell them. Like, and I've even had people who've, who've tried to sell me before. I've been like, Hey, I can't afford that right now. I don't want to do that. And they've been like, well, Hey, what about, you know, I heard about this credit card that you can get. Hey, like I've had people come to me with financing ideas to get me to buy from them. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, really? Like you want me to get a credit card to buy your service? I, I didn't even, you called me like, what is this? You know? So I think there are people who have kind of a, a suspect philosophy on this kind of stuff. That's not great, but here's what you should be doing in your business. As you think about selling more and selling better, it's about getting into conversations with people who are your ideal buyer. So think about how this can be a little bit more clever. My brother-in-law runs a pool business. Well, he could go door to door and try to sell people, excuse me, he runs a pool cleaning business. He could go door to door and try to sell people on, Hey, can I clean your pool? Well, the biggest problem here is what if someone doesn't have a pool? Why are they going to hire a pool cleaning person? Now it's, it, it obviously, as you're listening, you're like, well, duh. And yet these are the conversations we have often with people in trying to promote our services without realizing that they aren't in a position to see the value in your service. 
Now there's ways to highlight that. There's ways to, you know, to ask good questions. Well, Hey, like, you know, I noticed you got a big lot in your backyard. Like, what's your plan with that? Oh, you know, I am thinking about putting a pool back there. Oh, great. Hey, you know, let's talk in six months. Hey, I'd love to be your guy. I mean, there's, there's ways to have this conversation, but at the end of the day, if someone doesn't have a pool, they're never going to be a customer of my brother-in-law, no matter how good of a salesperson he is, he will never sell that ever. Well, what he can do to be more strategic and be smarter is he can look up people's homes on Zillow, or actually in his case, I think he looked up like the property assessments of like certain neighborhoods, or maybe it was like Google maps. I can't remember what it was, but he was able to look it up and see who actually had pools in their backyard. So then when he knocked on the door, I know this person has a pool. I know they probably clean their pool either themselves or they pay someone else to do it. And so, Hey, yeah, I'm, uh, I'd love to chat with you about your pool for me and my business. When it comes to SEO, the, instead of just like calling businesses randomly, what I've seen is people on Facebook or on different social media platforms who say things like, Hey, I'm looking, I'm looking for an SEO person. Hey, I'm looking for like, these are people who are one step closer to being my prospective customer than the random Joe Schmo that I could call on a given day. It's kind of like this guy who I was talking to in my um, growth group meetup on a Tuesday, on our Tuesday morning meetup, who he runs a, um, uh, at waste company, he picks up dog poop off people's lawns. Well, if how insane would it be for him to be frustrated at himself for not closing the sale from someone who doesn't even have a dog? Does that make sense? So thinking about you and your business, one, how do you make sure that the people you're actually selling to are in a position to be your ideal customer? Now, they may not know they need your services, like for me, from like an SEO standpoint, it really doesn't matter to me if someone knows they need SEO or not. A better conversation is someone who they're making enough money through referrals and they're ready to scale. They're ready to scale this thing beyond, like instead of me hunting down my customers, I want my customers to find me. Okay, let's talk about how to do that. And we'll use SEO to make that happen. So it's not even about the product. It's it's understanding a certain person in a certain phase of their business who's now ready to buy from me. The sooner you can understand this and start to, to process your business efforts in this way, the faster you will start to see your sales pipeline fill and more importantly, convert into sustainable cash for your business. Now, I think this is kind of the last thing I want to mention. When we talk about cash in your business, your business from the get-go has to be designed in a way to make you enough cash to keep you from being desperate. Like there's a, there's a point in our businesses where we are so desperate to make money that we will take anyone as a customer, like that person who calls and like, Hey, can you do this? And you're like, "Uh, I don't really do that, but I really need the money. You're going to say yes to that person every time. Why? Because you got to pay the bills. The problem though, is those people long-term really are not great customers. They're not great customers because often they ask you to drop your price They ask you to cut them a deal, to cut them a discount. And as an aside, I'll tell you, I can't think of a single customer who has ever been a good customer for me that I cut a discount for. Maybe one situation actually that I can think of, but I I, I very rarely can I think of this panning out for me. 
That's not to mention, by the way, that there haven't been times where I've I've cut fees to as like a good customer service thing. Like I had a customer, <coughs> excuse me, I had a customer who had like a six thousand dollar invoice, and they said, "Hey, will you knock off five percent if I pay this all up front?" And I said, "Sure, yeah, I think not hounding you for payments is absolutely worth five percent of the total fee." Yeah, let's do that. Let's cut that off. So it's not to say that I haven't done that before, but. When we're desperate for cash, we'll drop our price, we'll we'll throw in all these other things, we'll do things that aren't necessarily our bread and butter because like, yeah, I can do that. These things typically don't end well for you or your customer, which is why it's so important to design your business in a way where you are bringing in steady cash, whether that means raising your prices whether that means getting in front of people more often who can be your buyers. There's lots of ways you can approach this, but if your business isn't healthy from the, from the, if your business is not healthy from its original standpoint, when you look at it objectively, it's going to be very difficult to focus your efforts on just your ideal buyer. So having said that, all this to say, if you are bummed out, you're feeling, man, why am I not a better salesperson? Ask yourself, am I really selling to the right people or am I just trying to sell to anybody? And if it's the latter, you're probably not setting yourself up for success. You're probably making this journey a lot harder than it has to be. So, hey, that's today's episode. I appreciate you guys tuning in today. Don't forget, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash good advice. And uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you're following, subscribe to the podcast, all that good stuff. Also, as you've probably figured out, we got advertising on the podcast. Feel me to talk about how amazing your business is. You can email me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com. Thank you to all of you who support the podcast and promote the podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. I love being able to do this on a week-to-week basis. That's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.